0: flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match.
1: Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, this podcast in association with LV Insurance and we're looking back at the second day of the third LV Insurance Test match at Headingley. A day of elation and sadness, I suppose you could say today, because obviously highlights uh, highlight was Joe Root's brilliant century, the third... Of the series, and he's just a, a run machine. But uh, certainly tinged with sadness today because the the announcement of of Ted Dexter's death came overnight, uh, early in the morning. All the players wore black armbands. All the England players wore black armbands. And you know, in a way, I suppose England's innings, and especially Joe Root's innings, was a sort of little tribute to to Ted Dexter. He would have loved to see Joe Root bat the way he did. He was a very he liked he liked conventional batting, although he was an innovator. He liked the the sideways-on uh, approach to batting. Uh, in fact, I've got a picture here that I can show of of Ted Dexter batting one day, and you can see uh, the the orthodox nature of his stance. Playing a West Indies fast bowler, side on, toes on, on his toes, playing the ball down, right underneath his nose. He was a cavalier batsman, but he did play in you know, a in a classic way. And I knew him well, so I can certainly tell a little story about him. But I know he loved Joe Root, and uh, so he would have been proud to have seen that that innings by Joe today.
0: Well, Joe Root did an interview at the start of the day's play, um, and partly uh, to pay tribute to Ted Dexter. And he, and he said, I, I didn't spend much time with him. I wasn't actually sure whether he, he'd even met him. But what he did say was that Ted Dexter used to email him about his batting and pass on tips. Why don't you do this or why don't you do that? Um, you know, it, and that that shows someone who's got a sort of real sort of love for the game, really, doesn't it? And you know, it still wants to be involved and, and pass on that that knowledge. Uh, I mean, I didn't know Ted Dexter at all. I remember I I did interview him. I remember distinctly once when I was in Australia in the early 90s, he'd just come from India where, you know, there was the smog. He talked about the smog in Calcutta and, the you know, was it the stars not being aligned and that that, that sort of thing, that terrible tour that England had in India. But anyway, he, he gave me what was actually a little bit of an exclusive at the time. He said next summer in England, we're going to introduce a technology for run-outs and stumpings. And I remember, thought, oh, thought, that's quite a good story, because that, you know, that was quite revolutionary at the time. It, you know, we, we're so used to it now. And so I put that on the Today programme, and immediately, or you know, within an hour, the ECB, or the Teston County Cricket Board, as I think it was, then knocked it down, saying, Ab- absolute rubbish, this is not going to happen. It's sort of like, oh, <laughs> Ted, what have you done? Have you sort of, you know, have you gone on, off on a bit of a flyer here? But of course, what happened? The following summer in England, Technology was introduced for, for run outs and stumpings. And we, we're so used to that now. And it's, it's part of the game. It's been a, a brilliant innovation. So thanks very much, Ted, for that exclusive back in the early 90s. But I mean, you know, I remember his time as, as, as chairman of selectors you know, in charge of uh, the England team. But I mean, you obviously knew him much better, Simon.
1: Yeah, I I mean, actually, um, it's good that you mentioned the sort of innovative side of his character, because actually he's the, in a way, he's the founding father of short form cricket in the 60s, when the Gillette Cup had already been uh, launched and it was then 65 overs. He was approached by the BBC to find a way of of, um, creating a shorter format for Sundays, because in those days, Sundays uh, wasn't a, a playing day for professionals. And actually, the the Cavaliers, the International Cavaliers, the Rothmans International Cavaliers that that Dexter played for, which was a selection of of world-class players, would play on Sundays, but just sort of invitation exhibition games. And so the BBC came to Dexter and said, how about creating a a shorter format that will fit into Sunday afternoons for professionals, for counties, and it will be finished at six o'clock. And so he came up with the idea of 40 overs and shortened run-ups, which was the bane of my life when I started playing, having to shorten my run up to 15 yards. Uh, But it also meant the game was over in just over four hours with one or two other rule introductions as well. Dexter was the founding father of that and also, famously also, he introduced Deloitte's ratings as well, player ratings, because he said he was pissed off that boycott was always top of the averages and he wanted to find another way of uh, evaluating players using a different system, which is still the industry standard. So, you know, he was an innovator, never mind a, a brilliant player. I knew him from the age of about 10 because we went to the same church. And actually, when I was a bit older, he had to endure my organ playing because I was a part-time organist at this church. It didn't seem to put him off coming. And uh, he was a a great uh, assistant, you know, sort of helper, advisor to me throughout my career. Unfortunately, didn't manage to help my batting at all. But uh, there we are, maybe that was a lost cause. And, and just a wonderful person, always interested, always fascinated, as you say, sending emails to Joe Root, uh, talking about uh, technique, always coming into the commentary box and pointing out things about batsmen, even in his 80s, ideas about how to bowl at them and the best way of batting. And of course, going back to Joe Root, Why he would really have celebrated Joe Root's innings today and his performance over this summer is because he greatly believed that batting is a sideways game and he actually said, you bat in a bath, not a piss pot. And what he meant by that was that you go up and down and keep your footwork narrow uh, towards the ball rather than going round and round and having a sort of open stance, a bit more like a a round vessel. Uh, He he believed you, you should play bat as if in a bath. Uh, with the bath obviously sort of pointing down the wicket. So uh, th- that's his legacy it's one of his legacies and uh, what a, a wonderful guy a, very sad to see him go but uh, a wonderful ambassador for the game and a, and a wonderful player
0: Yeah well, I I never saw him back which you know I'm it, I'm sad I didn't see him back because by all me, you know by all accounts he was a you know tremendously aggressive and an exciting player but the things you learn on this podcast yours that he used to listen to you playing the organ I mean do you, I mean, do you still play the organ or not or, I mean I, what, what happened to your organ career <laughs>
1: <laughs> um it it really didn't last terribly long. Um I think I was sacked in the end for playing the wrong tune for playing Send in the Clowns during a wedding. Uh it was a little medley I'd devised before the bride actually entered the church and she entered the church a bit early. So uh that the Send in the Clowns tune was sort of playing as she walked up the aisle. And I think that was probably my last right. attempt.
0: Well- well, that's that, that. sounds about right. Yaws, put out <laughs> the pasture right.
1: after that.
0: Okay, let, let's let's <laughs> let's turn to the second day of this uh, third Test match, sponsored by uh, LV Insurance and. I mean England have pretty much done today what they set out to do. I I would say I mean they're in such a dominant position in the game. Uh, they they I thought they did get a bit careless which is sort of nitpick a little bit towards the end of the day's play. I think a few wickets were frittered away and I thought at one point all oh, this lead is going to be about 300 rather than the 350 400 which it, you know it should have been. And if you're if you're really ruthless you don't give India a sniff and it, you know it, it's such an outside shot for India with a, a massive lead 345 but you know, there's lots of time left in the match. Worst case scenario, we talked about it last night, is they do get 500 in their in their second innings, you know, on a on a decent pitch, and England have a little run chase on, on the final day, you know, an awkward little run chase on the final day. Anyway, that's the absolute worst case scenario, and England can help their cause, of course, in the morning by just adding, you know, another 20 or 30 runs for the last two wickets, and they've got two players there who are capable of doing that in in Overton and Robinson, and we'll we'll see how they get on. There is your who's winning graphic. So for, there's, yeah. the,
1: uh, there's the who's winning. Doesn't, we don't really need the who's winning graphic today, but it does tell you that uh, England's dominance is almost uh, irreversible. Uh, 90%, 91% chance of winning. Uh, India down at uh, one3 and the draw about 4 or 5%. So uh, it, it very much it is a very unlikely scenario that, that India could possibly win this game. And actually, I think that no team has overcome... A deficit of more than 331, and the deficit is now 345. And actually, I looked at uh, the uh, match, that famous match in Calcutta, which of course India won in 2001 against Australia when they were asked to follow on, and they were only 274 behind right. in that test match, yeah. and then went on to make 650 and bowl Australia out. Uh, for a dramatic and you know kind of totally uh, extraordinary victory but they were only 274 behind. Obviously history is always something to be rewritten but no team has ever overcome more than 331 so England should be you know, very confident of victory.
0: Well, well, they're, they're in a position beyond their wildest dreams. I mean, if you'd said to them after after two days of this Test match, they'll be 345 ahead with two first-innings wickets in hand and, you know, having bowled India out for, for next to nothing in the first innings, I mean, that... You, you, you do, it's so rare that you get much better positions than that and they'll be very confident going on uh, to win this Test match. I mean, they might even win it on the third day. I mean, you've got to remember the pressure that India are under in this Test match as well, especially if, if the overnight pair were able to go out and whack or 20 or 30 more tomorrow and just demoralise them a little bit more. So there's a little role for the for the lower order uh, to play tomorrow, but even with those runs in the bag, England, uh, you know, in a, in a fantastic position. And you talk about history, Oz, and that Calcutta Test match, Well, go back to Headingley in 1981, the the, the miracle of Headingley Australia's first innings lead in that match was 227 and England had 345 runs in the back I know this pitch is a bit better but as the game goes on there might be a little bit there for the, the bowlers and, and possibly for for moen Ali as well and there is that whole scoreboard pressure issue I mean you do India do have I suppose you know a Pant who could play the the Ian Botham role but you know, it's it, it's it's a it's a massive long shot. Actually, although I did see you talk about you know who's winning and the percentages, uh, I, I did look uh, on the exchanges this afternoon. At one point, India were a hundred to one, and the last time I looked, not long before the close, they were down to about you know forty-five to one, something like that, to to win this Test match. So, I mean, you you can see a path uh, for India, but it's a. Uh, it's, it's a path full of snakes and thorns and ups and downs and treacherous rivers to cross, and, you know, a thunderstorm to get through. And, you know, and it's, and it's a long way away. But anyway, they, they, they might see some light in the, in the very far distance, but you'd, you'd expect England's uh, five-man attack to, to sort them out sometime in the next uh, couple of days.
1: One of the primary objectives set by the Fund for Runs campaign was to promote and make cricket accessible to all sections of our society. LV Insurance and ECB's £1 million Fund for Runs Community Initiative has identified the Cheshire Cricket Board's Orford Hub as an ideal fit to kickstart cricket in the centre of Warrington. The funding will go towards an eight-week All-Stars cricket project based in one of Cheshire's most deprived wards. The board will expand this offer with the introduction of dynamos and street cricket leagues with the aim to make the sport more accessible and attractive for wider sections of the community growing up in an urban area. A, a tremendous innings by Joe Root. Uh, again, absolutely flawless, really, until a, a rather tired stroke at the end. I mean, his busyness at the crease was uh, the, the the noticeable fact today. He didn't hit that many boundaries. The Indian bowling was pretty perseverant, but just the, the, the willingness to run ones and twos and to look uh, intentful all the time uh, you know, in, in the middle was, was tremendous. I enjoyed his partnership with David Milan. Uh, I thought, actually, uh, Hazi Hamid got a little bit stuck and got bowled out. He faced something like 30 dot balls and then got bowled by a, quite a good one from Jadeja which I think was a shame. But Milan looked... Uh, he was perfect for that situation because he was quite fluent. And it was a surprise, really, when, when he got out. He was would have been really disappointed about that. Little tiny inside edge down the leg side just before T. He was a bit unlucky. And then England's innings rather petered out. But, I mean, Root was just superlative throughout and i don't know how he does it and we should just listen to a little clip remember we we had him in the virtual cricket club uh, in october last year uh, when england were in a bit of a lull and he he was quite revealing there saying he'd spent a bit of time working on his game and wanted some information from the team analyst about how to get
2: better i think as a player over time and especially now with the amount of analysis and data that teams have um, you have to constantly keep looking to evolve your game. If you keep playing in the same way, teams very quickly find trends and ways and patterns in which you get out. So, um, of course, you don't want to revamp and completely pull apart your your technique and and try and start again. But there are certain things that have to keep moving forward. And um, you know, over time, that if you get out in a in three or f- three or four occasions uh, in a similar fashion. Teams will be looking at that and will be bowling more balls in that area or trying to use that as a as a real weapon to get you out so if you feel like there are flaws or deficiencies within your game or areas that aren't quite as up to scratch as possible, you have to find ways of um, dealing with that, and sometimes that does mean making minor adjustments in in trigger movements or contact points, even shot selection to a degree as well, trying to play that long almost longer version of cat and mouse, not just within the test match, but also within a you know, a calendar year or a series. And I think it's quite an interesting part. It's something that I actually really enjoy about about the game is that you can't just bat one way all the time or you can't just look to play the same way throughout. You've got to keep looking to improve, got to keep looking to evolve your game and um, not just marry up to the conditions that are in front of you, but also be very aware of how sides are going to get you out and, and how they will be looking to get you out.
1: Um, So does that mean you you actually spend a fair bit of time looking at your own game and sort of thinking, how can I just tweak it, you know, looking at other bowlers and what they might be looking to do? And therefore, it's almost like homework, is it, in a
2: way? It is, yeah. I mean, uh, I sent an email to our analyst at the start of the week and I said, I want to get, if you could please send me the, over, I think it was over the last two years, all my modes of dismissal. And I want to specifically know if there's any sort of pattern between 0 and 20 and also between 50 and 80 as well, um, if there are any trends there. So just always trying to find ways in, you know, if there are certain elements of my game that seem to be constantly worked over and I've not got the right answers for, I can I can go back and look at that and try and find ways of, of improving that for for the future.
0: It was interesting what you say about uh, Root's busyness today, because actually it was a quick hundred. One hundred and twenty-four balls it took him to, to get to his century, which is which is very good. You know, even by mon- modern standards, I mean, that's a, that's a quick hundred. But he only hit twelve fours. You think, you know, you think of you know, some it'd be like eighteen fours and two sixes or something like that. But that just shows how busy he was. And I noticed first ball off the mark straight away. There was a real positive intent uh, from Joe Root today. Twenty-three Test hundreds now, six hundreds this year. 500 plus runs in the series, 300s in the series. You know, it's 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 a bit like Steve Smith in an in an Ashes series. He's just he's just rolling them up. He was a bit tired though, wasn't he, at the end? Um, and there were a few out there who were who were tired today. We saw Ishant struggling and, and and Siraj struggling on what was not a particularly warm day in Leeds. But anyway, you know, fantastic from Root, and he just sort of battened down England's strong position. Just to pick up something about uh, David Milan... Uh, I mean he, he we talked about this last night didn 't we about that nervous energy I mean he had to wait fifty overs watching it you know watching on uh, to come into bat that's you know, a lot of overs for an England number three uh, not not many have had to do that in in the in the last uh, few years, and actually just one more stat it's only the second time in eight years that all of England's top four have reached thirty plus let alone fifty plus they all went over fifty but last time they uh, to only second time in eight years that they've all got 30 or more anyway but Milan had to wait and he he looked really good didn't he it was it was a really good innings and you could you could you knew, you could tell he nicked it as well I just they the camera focused on his face and he said he said to Joe, I you know yeah I'm, they've reviewed it you know I, I think I've hit that and so as soon as I saw that I just sort of sensed that there's some doubt there I, I realised that he was going to be caught behind anyway, caught down the leg side. It, it feels like a, a bit of a strangle, but a, a very good day, a very good return for David Milan. The only disappointment for him, I suppose, is he didn't, didn't go on to make 100.
1: But it's much nicer coming in at 140 for one than five for one. And I, I wonder what Zach Crawley was thinking, seeing Milan waiting 50 overs to come in when he's been coming in, in the about the fifth over. Um, most of the time over the last year or so. So well done to England for building that platform and for pretty much capitalising on it.
0: And And that's a good point about Crawley, about... Interesting, one, one thing we were talking about before this series was the prospect of India sort of dismantling England's ashes plans. And they've sort of done that in a way, haven't they? They've got rid of Sibley and they've got rid of Crawley. And, you know, they were sort of not inked in for the ashes, but they were very sort of heavily pencilled in for the ashes. And India have dismantled that top order. But, it, you know, who knows? It might have actually done England a favour. I mean, you know, Milan back in the side, very good tour of Australia last time. And Hamid, you know... I think you know the jury's still out a little bit on Hamid, but we'll we'll, we'll see. I mean, very very good first things. He does look solid, and he does have those scoring shots through the offside. Whereas Sibley is you know is is, is sort of is, is rock like, doesn't move, and it, it, the scoreboard doesn't move as a result. And we'll we'll see how that works out. But you know, it's going to be difficult for Hamid at the top of the order in Australia against that Kukaburra ball with that high class Australian attack. But they you know they have they have dismantled it. But who knows? It might it might might just work in, in England's favour or at least help them a little bit in Australia in the winter to have that top order rejigged. Mm.
1: A word on uh, India's bowlers, uh, I, I just, I, I sort of identify with them a bit, uh, charging in, trundling in, sort of almost stumbling in towards the end of the day, uh, the, the forlornness of Knowing when Root and Milan were building their partnership of how the hell do you get a wicket? And of course, one did come in the end, luckily down the leg side. But I thought they, I thought particularly Mohammed Shami kept going really well. And it, it's it's a tough job because you, you know there's no support in the ground, there's nothing in the pitch, the ball's old, batsmen look totally secure and almost sort of invincible, and you just, you, you it's very hard to to actually believe. Can I take a wicket here? But Shami kept going and he picked up three wickets. And I noticed even towards the end of the day, I think in his last over, he bowled an 85 mile an hour delivery. That's a tremendous effort. So I, uh, I award him the uh, LV Insurance In With Hard Award today. I mean, he just kept going. He kept plundering in. He kept zipping it down on a length, on a line, giving, giving the batsman absolutely nothing and, and constantly believing and just trimmed England's ambitions a little bit in the end
0: yeah no, I totally agree with that. he he he's he really is a trier, and you know ran in for his captain today. and, and Bumrah as well, Bumrah was was tidy and 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 threatening at times. I and mean, he was the one that just started to unpick Hamid. I thought you know they 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 bowled short at him, they dried him up, and you know eventually you know they got through him. And so you know, that that was you know, really good bowling at the start of the day by India. only twenty one runs in the first hour. It was a really hard you know, really gritty, hard fought uh, first down and then gradually England got away three hundred uh, runs in the day. You know, Bumra good, but without the, the breakthroughs that perhaps his captain would have liked. I agree on Shami, and uh, Ishan awful day for him really. I mean he he looked I mean what was he 32, but he he looked um he looked forty plus at times uh, today. Twenty-two overs naught for ninety-two and Jadeja steady and you know there was some turn but and you think there might be a little bit more turn as the as the game goes on, uh, and that might bring uh, Moen Ali possibly into the match, and even you know who knows even even Root and even even Milan, even Milan uh, with his late hmm. breaks. But I mean, but but you know Root Root and and Moen, uh, you know definitely in that second innings. If if India build a you know a biggish score, England can perhaps um, just stymie them that way as well as with that. Four-man pace attack. So how, so how do you see the game, Yoz? Uh, you know, I've given my view on, on how I see it. Uh, three de- three days to go. The weather forecast looks, you know, looks pretty decent. Um, it, it England win in three days? Or is that too? Um, is that being too bullish in England's prospects?
1: I think the pitch is pretty good still. And obviously, India will get stuck in in the second inning. So I don't think it will finish tomorrow. I think... England will bowl India out for round about 3.50. They might just have to chase a handful of runs and India will get stuck in and they might just back, but take it into the fourth day. Uh, I, I I think England will find some, I mean, it'd be perfect time to bowl tomorrow morning. Always in the morning it does a little bit more. I can see a couple of early wickets falling. Then some people, you know, Kohli very much due, uh, Rahani, and Pujar also. So somebody's going to get really stuck in. And uh, and I think you know, India should be able to get past 300, but it's just a question of how much passed. So England might have to just do a little bit of batting on the fourth day is my hunch. What about okay. you?
0: Yeah, well, I think it could end tomorrow. I think scoreboard pressure could, could uh, force a, a win for England tomorrow. And the, I mean, the other side of it, is it India at the close of play? 260 for two, something like that, digging in. And then, you know, then you start to think, oh, you know, is, is Headingley 81 sort of coming into view? You know, Tarank had an amazing uh, victory at, at Headingley in 2014. And then as Calcutta, we mentioned at the start of this podcast in 2001. But also all cricketing logic suggests that sometime in the next three days, whether it is tomorrow, fourth day or fifth day, sometime... In the next three days, England uh, will level this series. And if they don't, we are in for something sensational. I think that's 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 fair to say. Um, but you'd, you'd expect it to be 1-1 um, sometime uh, this weekend.
1: OK, so that rounds up our look back at the second day of this LV Insurance third test match. Uh, England dominant, of course. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow to review the third day's play. Meanwhile, we should all say, rest in peace, Ted Dexter.